umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're here to talk about michigan's 27 to 14 victory over iowa well clint what'd you think about that one well i think michigan played exactly the way they needed to it's really hard to play against the Hawkeyes in Iowa City. You have to be mistake-free, and uh, they really capitalize on top of uh, mistakes when when teams turn the ball over. And we've seen that point, uh, especially true in, in 2022, where in two games in the first four weeks, Iowa's defense outscored their offense. So if you can stop their defense from scoring on you, by not turning the ball over, then I, I think that you, you put yourself in a good position to win. And uh, that's exactly what Michigan did. And I called it a, a grown-up game for J.J. McCarthy because the week before against Maryland, I think J.J. looked a little bit like a sophomore. And then heading into this first real road test as a starter, he had to show that he could make uh, the right decision, which is not always trying to force the ball uh, into some tough spots, and I thought that he did absolutely wonderful. Um, couldn't be happier with what uh, J.J. McCarthy did. Um, Blake Corum, probably the third game in a row, he, he's probably the headliner with another 29 carries. And when the defense had to step up in the biggest moments, and just as I started to get a little worried, uh, some of the big guys up front, like Mozzie Smith, Mike Morris, um, and those and Taylor Upshaw made some really big plays in this game. So uh, there, there was a little bit of consternation in our house, but uh, all's well, it ends well. And, and I think we saw a lot of, of progress, even from the week four game against Maryland. This, this was a better game for the Wolverines. No doubt. And, you know, you can kind of be fooled looking at the final score that it was closer than it actually was. So, the way the scoring broke out, Michigan scored a touchdown in the first quarter, two field goals in the second quarter, took a 13-0 lead heading into halftime, scored a touchdown in the third quarter, a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and although Iowa scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, we'd be remiss not to mention that, one, they were put in great field position by an error by the Michigan offense, and the second touchdown scored with eight seconds to go. So 27 to 14, one of the metrics that Coach Harbaugh uses is they want to win each half. So technically they tied in the second half. Perhaps that led to some extra running. But uh, again, considering the, the result and considering what a tough place Iowa is to play, 27-14, I, I can live with that. I think Iowa scored maybe one more touchdown than I expected because, as you said, their offense is – Really not very good. And again, they, you know, on that last touchdown, they looked good, but it was far too late and they were in too big of a hole. Um, you know, it's interesting seeing the uh, the photos uh, that our photographer took at the game. People in the Iowa crowd have signs and T-shirts saying they're there for the punter. So definitely uh, embracing the lack of offense. And that was that was fun to see a little bit. Um, now, I, I think, you know, you talked a little bit about J.J., 
Coach Harbaugh gave J.J. probably the greatest praise that he could give a quarterback. Yeah, play your game. Um, and there's, there's nobody that loves that game more uh, than I do. I mean, it, uh, he's better than me, but, I mean, he reminds me of a young Jimmy Harbaugh. Yeah. Off he, he drops back, and then he runs over to his left, circles back to his right, back to his left, and runs it or throws it to an open guy. I mean, I love it. I just love it, love it. Jim, Jim's in love, <laughs> right? Um, so, um, you know, and then, you know, the other thing is that Coach Harbaugh also talked about, you know, letting J.J. be J.J., you know, not to be tempted to overcoach. But I thought he played a – he played a really good game, you know. With, and I and I, I dance a real fine line of not, uh, you know, taking his special talent and overcoaching it. I do not want him to be a victim of overcoaching. So when it's all said and done, I just do you, JJ, play your game. Um, you know, it's really good. But just deck the ball. So it's interesting because you talked about that we kind of saw JJ grow up in this game. It you know, and we talked about it in the last podcast. You knew what you had with Cade before he was injured, and you know there's going to be some stops and starts as JJ kind of comes into his own. And it was just interesting to hear Coach Harbaugh talk about that. He he really has to catch himself from jumping in and, and directing too much, and just letting the evolution of JJ happen at its own pace. Yeah, and and. I, I recall the last few years, um, and, and maybe all the way back to the beginning of the Harbaugh era, that you've mentioned that you expected this to kind of become quarterback you uh, when Harbaugh came in in 2015. And this may be um, the first time that, that we're kind of seeing that come to fruition. I mean, the, that kind of implication would would require it to be, you know, a, a few of them in a row, uh, high-level recruiting, and then also development. But I, I would say Cade McNamara's development from uh, his freshman year through the 21 season and then the recruiting and development so far that we've seen with J.J. McCarthy is a pretty good um, two-player combo. You know, so I would say Harbaugh is, is on the uptick in terms of getting back to kind of what we expected him to be as a quarterback coach and and what we expected the Michigan quarterback room to look like when, when Jim Harbaugh was hired. I thought that uh, this would have happened a little bit sooner to be racked and stacked at the position, but you can't complain at how things look, and hopefully Kate will be back soon and be back in the mix. But J.J. is really coming into his own, um, you know, not only in his play in the field, but – you know, he also had some good things to say in the post-game press conference. Everything that he was kind of harping on me for last week is just making me a better quarterback. You know, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to get coached like crazy when you're here, and it's only making you better. But there's some things with just your natural abilities where you got to take what they're giving you and some that go in one ear and out the other. And just being able to improve as a quarterback in those situations of decision-making and not making those big mistakes and doing everything like that. And then when it comes down to third down and I need to use my abilities and do what I do, that, then that comes out. So he's just, he's just making me a better quarterback, and I'm just super grateful for him. Just cleaning up my footwork, being more consistent with that, uh, being able to be decisive in my decision-making, checking the ball down, getting the ball into the Blake's hands, Dono's hands, and 
just uh, like like the play I had driving down the field against Maryland, where I got a little little scar from it. But uh, just plays like that, just getting those out of my game, realizing that you don't have to win the play every single play. They might get us, throw the ball away, move on to the next play. So those are just huge areas of improvement that I felt like. Um, as a staff, as myself, did a really good job improving going into this game. JJ also learned the mantra that we heard a lot last year. This team, it's a bunch of leaders. I mean, every single guy on this team is always trying to improve. And just the way that I've seen it these past five games is like, no matter who we're playing, it really doesn't matter. We're continuing to grow like this. And we're not thinking about, okay, we got a, we got a huge game in three weeks against Penn State or two weeks. We're, we're not thinking about that. Whoever's in front of us is a nameless, faceless opponent, and we're only worried about ourselves. We're only worried about getting better. Really happy with the result. Um, uh, and again, what was interesting to me was that fourth quarter, right? On one hand, you can say, well, Michigan gave up 14 points. But after Iowa scored their first touchdown and got the ball back, they were just the Michigan defense just punished the Iowa quarterback, just crushed him. And again, you mentioned Mike Morris and Harbaugh gave him a, a shout out today. It was really good. Mike Moe, um, he was, he led the way. I mean, at halftime, he was really you know, getting everybody, getting everybody fired up. And then it was one thing to talk to talk, but then go out and, as they say, walk to walk. It was, it's way better. It's awesome. And also talked about him, uh, you know, in the post-game interview. So on the field. So, again, you just see, um, and again, we keep comparing this to last year's defense. And Aiden Hutchinson isn't here. Um, and, you know, he's he's playing Sundays. And David Ajabo will soon be playing Sundays again. But we've talked about this next man up mentality, right? The position is, the expectation is for the position, not the player. This defense really looks like it's coming together. And again, just the way they punished, just just destroyed, um, you know, the Iowa quarterback when, when, when things were on the line, just, just really, really impressive. Really, a, a, just a devastating performance. And um, really, just, I, I was really impressed you know, it's one of those things you can look at the box score and go, oh, they gave up two touchdowns. Yeah, but you had to see what happened on the field, and they definitely delivered. Yeah, and, and for me, the the story of the game was, was getting off to a good start. Um, with, with a tough place to play, hostile environment, you don't want to fall behind early and let the crowd really, really get ramped up and and continue to affect your, your communications and you get false start penalties and, and other types of issues if you start letting that momentum build and get to a fever pitch. And Michigan, you know, took the ball, sustained a drive, goes down scores on the Ronnie Bell uh, end around, which is a beautiful play where there's a blocker that actually takes three or four steps in, to the right and then doubles back and goes back to the left. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a, an influence block quite like what we saw in that play. And then the defense gets a three and out and Michigan then sustains another drive. It wasn't for one misstep by the right guard. Once they were down in scoring position, they probably marched that one down into the end zone also. So they're up 10, nothing. 
Iowa had run three plays at that point, and the first quarter was pretty much gone. Hard to be a Iowa fan and be all, uh, you know, keep keep your lather, so to speak, when uh, when Michigan came out and executed so well in the first half. And uh, that that was the story. was was really a great start, and offensive efficiency um, being a positive for Michigan, and lack of offensive efficiency for Iowa. And as much as I have railed against uh, Iowa's offense and Brian Ference. This was about as good a game plan as they could come up with. We know that Iowa throws the kitchen sink um, at least once a year, and sometimes two or three times a year when they get these home games against the top five opponent. And that was definitely this. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pop quiz here real quick, Phil. What percent of Iowa's plays do you think were passes, called pass plays? What percent for the Iowa Hawkeyes? 20%. 64%. Wow. Iowa called 64% pass plays. And, again, I, I don't know that I ever would have expected that. And we know that the, um, the tight end, Sam Laporta, all-American level player uh, for Iowa, and they didn't really have any targets to anybody else. But in this game, they looked really balanced. The run game was okay. And they they spread the ball around. And I would argue that in a very few specific uh, play calls, Brian Ferentz really hurt them where he rolled Petrus to the left and, and rolling left and trying to throw on the run is, is a difficult thing to do. So um, better than normal for, for the Iowa offense, but not good enough. And, and Michigan's defense definitely had something to do with that. They played – more physical on both sides of the ball than Iowa in Iowa City, and that's that's saying something. It it does not happen often. Well, and one of the things that was interesting too is, you knew you were going to get their best game because again, you know they were, we were you know Harbaugh mentioned you know this is the place where top five teams go to die right, but Michigan came out scored on the first drive, and kind of. Uh, shifted into cruise control, right? You know, just very efficient. You know, you mentioned when JJ got tripped up with Zach Zinner, that gave me a little heartburn, right? Because the last thing you need is for JJ to get hobbled or to get injured on a, on a freak play, right? And, you know, thankful he was okay. And, you know, again, it, it did stunt the drive, but again, in, in all you know, in the larger scale of life, you know, everybody, you know, moved on and everything was good. You talked about Blake Corum. Coach uh, raved about him today. Checking every box he can check as, a, as an every down back, as a short yardage back, as a, a versatile back. And he can run all the assortment of the runs. I mean, he can run the inside runs. He can run the outside runs. Uh, he can protect. He can block. He can catch catch out of the backfield. Uh, you know, he's uh He's a five-tool running back. You know, he does does it all. He was talking him up last week about how he could get so close that he could smell the opponent's breath before making a cut. And there was a play that was highlighted on the broadcast where he just made it, you know, go snaking through the line, heading toward the linebacker, and just gave him a little move and was gone. So... 
it's that kind of thing that we have become to just take for granted. And we're seeing Blake make the transition from somebody who was one of a one-two punch last year, you know, you know, thunder and lightning to he's being thunder and lightning all himself this season so far. So definitely um, seeing him evolve and, and become more of a complete back. Yeah. And like we've done in the past, I think we need to give uh, a lot more credit outwardly and repeatedly to the job that this coaching staff, not just Harbaugh, but the staff and the assistants are doing. Um, and in this case, uh, Mike Hart, I think to go back two years and look at Blake Corum as a freshman um, and compare that to the running back that we see today is, is such a, it's an amazing transformation of, of talent and development and not just um, in, in power and strength to be able to run between the tackles. But when Blake Corum was a freshman and, and most freshman running backs are this way, he was what I would call a sideline hunter. So he would, you know, he'd attack a hole, he'd run through the hole. And as soon as he saw the point of contact uh, where a tackle was, was imminent, he's always bouncing to the outside. It's like a very strong gravitational pull from the sideline for, for running backs. Freshmen in high school have it and freshmen in college have it. And you can go back to the 21 season and see the same thing in Donovan Edwards and then watch this season. And those two guys are so much more patient um, behind the line of scrimmage and, um, and actually through the, through the line, through the gap and to the second level um, that all they're earning those, those kind of quiet yards that Hassan Haskins got really good at, right? There's contact, and then you get two, three, four, sometimes five more yards after contact, all because of how well they get north and south, get their shoulders square to the goal line, and uh, and always try to fall forward. And that, I bragged about that, about Mike Hart, for four straight years, that that's really the greatest thing about him. And if, and if he got inside the five-yard line, he was going to score. He never, ever got tackled um, off the top of my head. Um, there was just never a moment that I can remember Mike Hart getting tackled inside the five yard line without getting to the end, getting to the end zone. And I think you're starting to see Blake Corum develop into that same type of, of like groundhog mentality going into a pile and always making it move one or two yards down the field. And it's really, really, really impressive to see. And that play that you mentioned, the last touchdown, um, Blake Corum's running to his right, and he gives a little, uh, a little shake move and freezes the linebacker, takes off, doesn't even get touched, and that's um, it's a compliment to any running back that can do that. The guy he made miss is an All-American linebacker. That's their best defensive player, Jack Campbell. He was their best defensive player last year. I mean, that is not a slouch that did not even lay a finger on Blake Corum in the hole. So he really. Uh, has developed and, and really jumped up a level or two levels. And he was pretty good last year. And this year, it's a whole different ball game. And I think, um, give him a lot of credit. We have last few weeks, but I think that extends very much to uh, 
to Mike Hart. I think that he's really had a, a really strong impression on the running style and, and finishing runs for this running back room. And stat-wise, Corum ended up with 133 yards on 29 carries. Again, lots of work, one touchdown. But one, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the patience thing because what I've noticed in breaking down the film the last two games is that, you know, it's kind of like the wall of the line moves. More inexperienced players will jump for the first hole they see, right? And they may be at two or three yards. But what I've noticed with Corum is that he has this patience to kind of squirrel down the line. And then, as you said, he will square his shoulders to the end zone but there'll just be like a half a second where he'll let the play to develop and, oh, the hole that you thought was there, there's a bigger hole the next gap. And he'll hit that second gap. He'll recognize that instead of just kind of, you know, going for daylight, the first daylight that he sees. And, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to Mike Hart. Uh, you know, there's always uh, sometimes there's concern whether – Players are being, are being brought back for their name, right, and their recruiting uh, expertise and whether they have the coaching chops to match. And Mike Hart has definitely proven the last two years that he's been a great addition to this staff. And you really have to, uh, you know, tip the hat to Harbaugh to to bring him over from, from Indiana and, and plug him into the mission coaching staff because we've definitely seen it pay dividends. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as we've said before, um, just an absolute uh, dynamite recruiter as well. And, and that would extend to the rest of this new look staff. Uh, we really we, we talked about it a lot last year and it's still true. So it, it's still that exciting. It's just not new news as much in the 22 season. But I would say this staff really, really deserves a lot of credit for this 5-0 start. Um, coordinators all changed over, and the, the team looks like they're playing with a high level of enthusiasm and also really, really laser-focused and playing cleanly and executing their techniques. So um, credit to the, to the coaches early on in the season here. And, uh, you know, touch on the Mike Hart thing again. You know, you talked about what a great recruiter he is. Well, what's interesting is here's a guy who has proved who has proven himself as a high-level player. He's proven himself as a high-level coach, and there there's been a little heartburn that among some in the fan base that he doesn't necessarily go after the guys who are the five stars, right? And he said, "Listen, I know what I'm looking for. I don't recruit stars. I recruit guys who I think I can coach up to being great running backs." And you know, I remember when when he came in, right? He and I and it was a situation where he had, you know, tons of high school stats and, you know, Clint, you and I that you and I both know you kind of roll your eyes at high school stats because it doesn't necessarily always translate. And he came from a smaller school and Mike Hart is one of the guys who lived up to his billing, okay? He came in, he performed practically from day 1 and you know, it, it's amazing that he's been able to translate his playing uh, experience to coaching. And again, it's great to have him back here at Michigan. You know, Coach Harbaugh was actually pretty excited for him in the post game. Um, yeah, it feels we're five and zero now. 
Uh, and you can't be, you can't get to six and zero unless you're five and zero. The um, it's kind of cool, you know. We we looked at that and go, they haven't won here since 2005. Um, fifth game of the year last year, we went to Wisconsin and we hadn't won at Wisconsin since 2008. Uh, so we keep track of those things. Yeah, it feels good. It's a great thrill, great thrill of victory and great thrill of winning. Be the best win of the week. You can tell that uh, I think this was another checkbox that he was excited to have done, right? You know, earlier in his tenure, Michigan came down to Iowa with a chance to really do something and, you know, lost, lost a big game. So definitely uh, nice to come here. And, you know, you can compare it a lot to last year's first road game versus Wisconsin, right? Wisconsin may not have been the team that they have been, but Michigan came in, took care of business, and I feel a lot like that's Iowa this year. Iowa may not be the classic, uh, you know, great team, but Michigan still had to go on the road. They took care of business. And, you know, Iowa had a chip on their shoulder from what Michigan did to them in the Big Ten championship game. So even with all that riding, Michigan came in, and, and again, uh, you know, I call it a very workmanlike, um, Coach Harbaugh called it blue collar. But I think the chemistry's coming. I mean, we can get better. And I th- uh, we can get better there. I think we can get better in in several areas. Um, but it's a it's a great win to to uh, you know keep moving on and and improve when you win. You know that's try to get better and all those all those things. You know, really good after a win, especially a Big Ten win, especially against a team that's you know really prides themselves on. You know, uh, a blue-collar mentality, uh, you know, hard-working team, physical team, hustling team. Uh, you know, I've always been enamored with it. Um, always tried to have our teams be about that, that blue-collar mentality. I mean, even looked it up one time, and it, really the whole blue-collar started in Iowa. Uh, I can't remember the town, but somewhere, somewhere uh, on the west side of the state, maybe. Des Moines, I think. Smaller town, but guys were wearing blue blue jumpsuits and uh, working in the working in a mine. Um, and they called them blue collar workers, people that do manual labor, people that do work, you know. Um, you know, we respect that. We try to be about be about that. And you know, when you're playing a team that's about that, it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's exciting and challenging to challenge yourself or you know, against that kind of uh, that kind of mentality. And I think our guys fared really well. Clint, you've said it, survive in advance, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the the importance of the regular season in uh, college football. You you just have to, have to keep piling up Ws. And Michigan's been in the noon slot these last few weeks, even when they, you know, didn't look as, as great as we expected. And somebody almost immediately steals the spotlight you know, we flipped the channel off of the Michigan game feeling like there may be some question marks and uh, Georgia's down two scores in the, uh, in the third quarter into the fourth quarter against Missouri, right? It's, it's hard. It's hard to win football games. It's hard to win college football games. Um, it's hard to be consistent with uh, a team made up of 18 to 22 year old kids. So um, we, we should really be uh, very, very grateful that uh, the team that we love the most is really executing at a high level. Um, 
and and really enjoy the the ride right now as it's as it's kind of building. I did. I wanted to give a, a couple other um, shouts out and and uh, props. I set kind of the benchmark of things that I was looking at on offense and defensive um, metrics, especially with uh, EPA expected points added, which is a metric that I like uh, looking at. Um, you mentioned that it reminded you of the Wisconsin game from last year. And when I looked at the uh, the EPA, the profile reminded me of the Washington game where they were running the ball well enough that they didn't have to take major chances against a pretty good pass defense. And, and that's that's kind of the, the profile that it reminded me of. The other highlight that I wanted to point out is the benchmark for running if you recall in the off season between 2020 and 21, when Harbaugh moved on from Ed Warner as the offensive line coach and moved Sharon Moore into that role, you and I, you know, had some kind of big eyeballs like, Whoa, that's pretty bold move. Um, high risk, high reward, I would think. So we'll see how that works. And I, I think we were just hoping to be as good in the ground game in 21 as we had seen in 2020. And, and we know how that story ends. Michigan does way better in 21 than they did in 2020 in terms of EPA. So I set that bar, the, the number is 0.277 for run plays uh, in terms. So that that number means essentially every time they call a run play, they're kind of putting 0.27 points on the board on average, right? Like those plays are improving their chances to score um, to where the value of that would be almost, you know, a little bit over a quarter of a point. And that's a great, great result. It's the best that we've seen in the Harbaugh era. So my goal with uh, most of the other metrics was to beat 2021. But for that one, I just wanted them to be the same. Like be, be beyond that tier somewhere in shouting distance of that because that's pretty good. There's only one game this year that they have been lower than .277 on the ground, and it was the first game against Colorado State. <laughs> they obviously dominated the three weaker opponents. Um, okay, they ran the ball against Maryland, and and then they come out and go to Iowa City against the number one SB plus defense in the nation uh, when that game started. And they put up a 0 0.322 uh, EPA average on the ground against that defense. Um, just really, really eye-opening from, from a number standpoint. Again, 277 from last year is really, really, really good. Best that we had ever seen. And they just did... Um, you know, leaps and bounds better through the first five games. Uh, and that, again, if we ought to give some props to Sharon Moore in that offensive line, uh, I think the Olu Oluwatimi transfer at center has a big part of that. And I would say Matt Weiss uh, as co-offensive coordinator um, and quarterbacks coach and the addition of the threat of J.J. McCarthy as a running threat. Um, all kind of working together, and we may see that run game EPA average for the season go even higher than last year, and that makes this team 
really, really dangerous. So not all the news was good from Iowa. It appeared Roman Wilson got banged up. We did not see Eric All, and uh, Coach Harbaugh got a little uh, short when he was asked about Roman Wilson today. Talk about everybody's health status, and it's not my job to do. Um, now, Trevor Keegan did come back. Donovan Edwards did come back, um, and and that's good. You know, definitely good. But it's starting to look more and more like uh, that that Eric All's injury may be may be pretty severe, and that's the rumor that's going around. There hasn't been any confirmation, but just in the way that uh, the coach Harbaugh talked about it, you know, and it is interesting the way he picks and chooses when to talk about injuries, you know, and so, so coach Harbaugh will do this, right? He'll say, well, why don't you go ask them yourself? And you can't, right? You can't just go walk in the locker room. And so it's funny because he'll kind of challenge the media sometimes and you kind of just roll your eyes. Like, so like, uh, you know, he said, well, I, I don't really, it's not really my job to talk about injuries. And I'm thinking, well, whose job is it? Right. But occasionally he will like, when Cade got hurt, he talked about it right away. So, again, he picks and chooses, and, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but, um, you know, he, he definitely did not want to talk about uh, Roman Wilson or, or, or Eric All. So, wish both those guys the best. Um, you know, Michigan is going to need everybody they have. But it's also interesting because he's been talk about, talking about tight end Luke Shoemaker, right? And... You know, he said today, he's like, well, I really thought his, you know, he would have the most competition from Eric All. And then he goes, well, and Shoemaker may be the best tight end ever. And, you know, that's that's kind of what Jim does these days. He kind of goes a little overboard in his praise. But again, it was Eric All was almost an afterthought, right? Whereas a couple of weeks ago, they were building him up as he's going to have a great pro career. And, and we still hope he does. But it's definitely interesting. There's been kind of a shift in, um, of you know, how they're talking about different players. Um, the other interesting thing that I thought was, you look at this team, and you know, I want to say almost quietly they're five and zero, and it's it just feels like a different vibe from last year, and in a good way, right? I mean, there's an expectation, not a surprise. Okay. Like I remember last season and just being on edge when they headed when they headed up to Wisconsin because you know we'd had such trouble playing in Wisconsin and they handled them pretty easily and again Wisconsin wasn't the team we thought but this year I I had a high degree of confidence coming into Iowa even with the history with Iowa and it was nice to see that uh, it it you know definitely turned out the way we would have hoped. Yeah, again, seeing this team execute at a high level and, and playing cleanly, right? The, the last time I remember a really poorly played game, um, and I'm kind of jumping over the Orange Bowl where I think Georgia just so so clearly outplayed Michigan and, and also leveraged their talent advantage. The last time I remember seeing Michigan play really poorly um, was was that Rutgers game in week four of last year. Uh, I would argue some moments on defense uh, against Michigan State in the game last year. But, uh, yeah, just both sides of the ball 
executing at a high level and maintaining it through almost an entire 60 minutes week after week after week it's uh it's really impressive that they're kind of embodying that nameless faceless and p- opponent and and bringing uh, a high level of focus and intensity every single week to this point and uh another road test i would say probably the greatest challenge that we'll see right uh, coming up into this game is the the fatigue physical and mental and psychological that two back-to-back road games kind of kind of gives you so um i would say that this week is probably more of a mental test than a physical test against indiana they're not quite um the same team that they had been two years ago but i think they're a little bit better than they were last year so um gonna have to be sharp we know tom allen is a is a really um bold and strong motivator uh defensive-minded coach plays physical so i think this mental test coming up here and playing sharp again is really what I'm going to try to focus on the most in uh, in the sixth game coming up here. Well, and then again, not to overlook Indiana, but you don't want to look past them, right? Because again, as you said, Indiana has played Michigan tough in the past and, and yet we're coming up to that. You know, I like to talk about, you know, quarter season half season three quarter half season or full season we're coming up to the half season mark right and that back half is now not looking quite as tough as it did at the beginning right um and again just skip ahead a little bit but you can't overlook penn state penn state still is you know the 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 team that you expected to be the first challenge in that in that gauntlet right so it's going to be interesting. You know, the, the game time has been announced for noon, which, you know, I'm a big fan of noon games. And again, you know, I, I, I'm looking ahead to it. The team needs to really be focused on one game at a time, nameless, faceless. And as you said, it is going to be a challenge. It is another away game. And, you know, they got to, um, you know, stay on task and not look ahead. Um, but you know, looking at it, you got to feel really good where we are right now. Yeah, it does set up nicely. And uh, big, another mitigator or risk uh, factor in this Indiana game is that Penn State is off this week. So they'll be sitting home watching this Michigan-Indiana game. Of course, the Michigan coaching staff knows that. And it will be interesting to see how they put together a game plan um, that can can beat the Hoosiers on the road on the back half of two uh, road trips. But also, I would expect a relatively vanilla approach if they can get away with it. I would expect few exotic blitzes and stunts on defense, and I would expect few uh, really razzle-dazzle plays uh, on offense uh, with with kind of one eye forward in the game planning department. But um, sometimes that can be a recipe for disaster. And once you've once kind of kicked off a, uh, a vanilla game plan, it can be really hard to get out of it. And uh, the last time that we saw that really in a, in a memorable fashion, um, in uncomfortable fashion, was 
that game against Army in 2019 where they were trying to play close to the vest on both sides of the ball, and it just wasn't enough to try to win the game. So they had to adjust, and when you haven't installed a bunch of the stuff that you need, you haven't put in the counter to the counter, um, there's only so many buttons you can push as an offensive coordinator. So a little bit of risk if they go too vanilla in this game plan against Indiana. Ideally, they take care of business early, take the crowd out of it, and then let the uh, let the kids and the and the kids that are further down the depth chart get some playing time. That would be ideal. Well, Coach Harbaugh had a had some more Harbaugh wisdom when you're looking forward to this game. It, it comes down to if you play good and uh, coach good and and make sure that we're prepared good. Um, you know, all the teams we play this week, next week, every week after. Um, we play good. We got a really good chance of winning. We don't play good. We got a really good chance of getting beat. I think that's just going to about do it. Um, so, Clint, do you have any final words? Nope. It's been uh, been a great start. It's been fun, um, you know, discussing the stuff with you. It's kind of a, a weird season that I haven't been able to get to the uh, to the big house as often as I would like, but. Uh, Appreciate your patience. Appreciate everybody else's patience. Kind of waiting for the, the the numbers to come out a little bit later than normal, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be looking forward to moving through the the middle half or the middle portion, the middle gauntlet of the schedule, and uh, really start ramping up. and, and Hopefully, Michigan's playing their best at the end of the season, uh, right about the time that I can get back in there with two feet and and be there every single time. Um, because I, I chomping at the bit a little bit, uh, being held away from from the stadium here. Well, Clint, we miss you, and I know that uh, your return will be much heralded uh, when you return to the big house. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. just a simple request to the audience: if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, if you could give us a rating, I'd appreciate it. Um, definitely help boost us up. And again, always remember. You can uh, find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And uh, again, always on umgoblue.com. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue!